0: friends, it is a joy to worship together with you here today. If uh, this is your first time joining us, uh, welcome. My name is Dan Min. I have the joy and the honor of uh, bringing God's Word to you today. Um I just want to say uh, some of us are in recovery from yesterday's game in one form or another. Uh, Some of you were working concession stands, and so you're recovering from just kind of, you know, killing your body, serving chicken baskets and pretzels and popcorn, whatever whatever you serve in the stands. Others of us are recovering from... The inevitable. Can I just say it? I knew, you know, it it was inevitable. Uh, But it is a new day, and God is still good. He is still on the throne. Ohio State won, but God is still good, okay? Uh, And so we're going to lean in together here um, and uh, open up your Bibles, if you would, uh, to the book of James. The book of James is where we've been for uh, the the last several weeks. We've been in the series called Faith That Works, Faith That Works. And this is a study out of the book of James. Now, um, let me just say this. This series, I mentioned this at the, uh, at, at the front end. This is not a series that is intended to be uh, a comprehensive study in the book of James. In other words, we're not going chapter by chapter, verse by verse, though I would love to do that. If you were with us, I think it was last year, maybe two years ago. I'm losing track of the time. We, we went through the book of Ephesians, sort of verse by verse. And while, while I would love to do that with the book of James, we just don't have it enough time in this semester to unpack each verse. And so with that said, friends, I would strongly encourage you to read through the book of James. It's only five short little chapters uh, that is just filled, it is filled with just practical application for Christian living. In fact, this, that's sort of the whole point of James' letter to the believers everywhere. James is trying to show us what it practically looks like to live out our faith day to day. And last week, we looked at how James went so far as to say, listen, if you're not applying your faith, if you're not practicing your faith, if your faith is just a part, just an aspect of your life, and it's not showing up in in the seven days of your week, he says, you better check your faith, because your faith might very well be dead. By the way, if you missed any of the messages from this series or any previous messages for that matter, you can go on our website or Apple Podcasts and you can find it all there. I want to look at the book of James here. We're in chapter three here this morning, and I and I love this 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 letter uh, for many reasons. But but this this letter is so unique because it's not. If you remember, we talked about this. This letter is not written with the intention of of, of downloading more information to us. He he's not. James is not concerned with passing on theological information. But rather, he's far more concerned with the transformation of our lives. And how many of you know the quickest way to transformation is by way of action? You want to see transformation in your life? Put things into action. Put what you believe into action. And that's what James is doing here. He's calling us to a life of action. And in James chapter 3, he hones in on a very particular aspect of our faith journey, a very practical aspect of our everyday lives. And so I want you to look with me at uh, at James chapter 3. We're going to pick up in verse 1. I'm going to invite Maggie to come back up and read today's passage for us. And um, uh, if you have your Bibles, just just FYI, once again, we'll be reading out of the English Standard Version just for uh, cohesion's sake. That's the text we'll put put up here on the screen. Just follow along with whatever translation you have. James chapter 3, picking up in verse 1. This is the word of God.
1: Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you, Maggie. Depending on your Bible translation, some of our headings at this point in James reads, Taming the Tongue, or Controlling the Tongue. I've titled my message today, Your Words Matter. Your words matter. In fact, would you just say those three words with me just so that I know you're with me here this morning, all right? Your words matter. One more time. Your words matter. In fact, turn to someone next to you. Tell them, your words matter. Your words matter. That's right. Your words matter. Just in case we're not fully awake, let's just wake up our friends. Your words matter. Folks, if there's anything that James is trying to get across in this passage, more specifically in the first half of this passage, it's simply this. These three simple words. Your words matter. They matter. In fact, it matters so much that he opens up this passage by warning people to not pursue the life of a teacher. Uh, uh, any educational majors or any kind of sort of like, you know, you're on the road to, to educate. You're like, well, what is this for, no, this is not for you. We're not talking about, you know, folks within the educational system. We're not talking about teachers, school teachers or in any kind of capacity. James is talking about teachers in the church, people who use their words to spiritually impact and influence others. That's, that's why if you've noticed in scripture, if you've ever read through the gospels, the Bible, Jesus has strong words for false teachers. Not just Jesus, but different, different uh, apostles and, and New Testament writers has strong words for false teachers. And it is not because these false teachers believe in false doctrines. It's not because they believe in the wrong stuff. It's because they use their words to lead people astray from the truths of God. And so James says, those who teach will be judged with greater strictness. He's saying that's See, that's how much your words matter. But folks, how many of you know you don't need to be a teacher to know that your words matter? (laughs) It's not just teachers who use their words as a way of profession, as a way of of occupation. It's not only teachers, whether teachers in, in the church or outside of the church where words matter. As long as you've got a tongue and the ability to speak, you need to know that Scripture informs us that your words matter. And if your words matter, There are several things that you need to start doing immediately. Number one is this. You need to be thoughtful with your words. If scripture scripture teaches us anything here in James chapter 3, it is to be thoughtful with your words. You know, the truth of the matter is this. Generally speaking, I believe that we don't give enough thought to the words that we use. We don't pay close enough attention to the words that we use. We just think, oh, it's just a conversation. Oh, it's just a chat. Oh, it's just a text message. Oh, it's just a comment. And we tend to downplay the impact of our words, like our words don't really matter, which is the very opposite thing that James is doing here in today's passage. While we're out here trying to downplay our words, James is like, hey, look at the horses, look at the ship, and look at the forest. He says in verse 3, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Where their mouth goes, their body goes as well. Verse 4, look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided. Guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So, also, listen to this the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. And oh, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire! In other words, you cannot afford to downplay the significance of your words. Your words matter because they carry the power and the potential to make a significant impact on this world that we are in. And so, why in the world would you be so careless and thoughtless with your words? That's what James is saying. It's like, why would you be so careless and thoughtless with your words? Now, many of us, we've been taught the saying think before you what? speak, right? Think before you speak. Maybe, maybe you, you, perhaps you've been taught that by your parents growing up in the home. Maybe you learned that as young children in school by a, by a teacher. Think before you speak. By the way, can I just say this? I think the problem for many of us isn't that we struggle with thinking before we speak. I think for many of us, we tend to overthink before we speak. Any overthinkers in the room, like, you know, you know, it's like, man, I just, you know, maybe you're, you're sitting there, you're, and we think to ourselves, oh, man, what if I say this, and it doesn't come out right? What if, I, what if I say something wrong, or what if I say something a little bit off-colored? You know, if you've been around me any time, I'm a pastor, but I say some weird things, you know, I just, sometimes the good old filter doesn't kick in, you know, it's like... I'm like, man, did I, did I just say that? Lord, forgive me. You know, like, and we're afraid that we might say something. What if I say this and, and I come off looking like an idiot or I come off looking like a fool? What if I say something and it's taken the wrong way or it offends someone accidentally or someone misunderstands what I'm saying? What if I, what if I get laughed at? What if I say something that's supposed to be funny and I don't get any laughs? Like, what what about then, right? You see what I mean? Like, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever been there. It's just sort of the wheels turning. You see, the problem is you're not... It's not that you don't think before you speak. For some of us, we overthink before we speak. But you know this. That's not what that saying is really getting at. And yet somehow we took what was supposed to be a very helpful, insightful saying in how we interact with each other. And we turned it in on us, and it made it about us. How very human of us, right? We are hopelessly self-centered, selfish people. We said, you know, I- I- I'm considering, I am thinking before I speak. I'm thinking about me. I'm thinking about what it does to me. I'm thinking about how it affects me and how it makes me look. But this saying was never supposed to be about that. Instead, can I offer just a slightly different alternative for using that same saying, think before you speak? Maybe you've seen this acronym before. It's not earth shattering or anything brand new. Maybe you've heard it. Maybe you haven't. But, but I've always found this sort of to be a helpful grid as I think about my words, as I try to be more thoughtful with my words this is a great way to be more thoughtful. This is the think before you speak. T-H-I-N-K. And in fact, this is something that we, my wife and I, work through with, uh, with uh, engaged couples and premarital. This is a small piece in our communication session that we uh, unpack with um, engaged couples. Think. T-H-I-N-K. T is true. Is what you're about to say true? We're called to be speakers of truth, not spreaders of lies. And if what we're saying is not grounded in truth, the suggestion, the recommendation here is simply, don't say it. By the way, this is where a lot of gossip comes into play, a lot of slander. That's, you know, I've always found it interesting that gossip seems to be sort of the widely accepted sin in the church, I, I, I remember pre- preaching on this. I mentioned this in the past here, and so forgive me if I'm repeating myself, but I was preaching on gossip at, uh, at my previous church, and a member comes up to me and says, okay, so Dan, if we're not supposed to be gossiping, like talking about people, what are we supposed to be talking about <laughs> you know it's like it's like that's that's all we do like gossip is just what we do and and it, it's it's a lot of times it's rooted in in false statements and false assumptions if it ain't true just stop just stop be truth speakers is it true is it helpful is what you're saying helpful you know there are a lot of things that we think and say that might not be helpful and if it's not helpful to the person or if it doesn't add any value to the person that's receiving your words, reconsider sharing those words. Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Are your words inspiring? In a world where, where we live, in a world where words tear down far more often than building up, it would do us some good to ask the question, are my words building up? Are my words inspiring? Now, I'm not saying everyone should now become sort of this motivational speaker, inspirational speaker. That's not, what, that's not what we're talking about. But we should all strive to encourage, strengthen, and inspire others with our words. That's a biblical call to the people of God that we are called to. So are your words inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it necessary to say what you're about to say? How many of you have been in a conversation where someone says something and you're like, well, that wasn't really necessary. That wasn't really needed. You didn't really need to say that. And oftentimes you can tell what's necessary by how true or helpful or inspiring something is. And then this last one, is it kind? I mean, I think this goes without saying. If it ain't kind, keep it to yourself. No one needs to hear that. So so think before you speak. Again, this isn't rocket science. This isn't like, oh my gosh, you know, I've never considered may you know making my words kind or inspiring but but how odd but that's that's the point that I'm trying to make here many of us don't give enough thought to the words that we speak but i wonder how differently our speech how differently our interactions our social spheres of influence might look different if we were actually thoughtful with our words if we actually applied this sort of saying that we've learned as a kid think before you speak But it's not enough to just think about your words. It's not enough to just be thoughtful with your words. Number two, you've got to be vocal with your words. Now, this may sound like an obvious point, almost silly even. But I want to use this as an opportunity to exhort the body of Christ. Particularly for those of us, I just mentioned, our overthinkers, uh, our friends who tend to overthink our words. Here's, here's what tends to happen with those who overthink our words, you know, we're sort of like, we're overthoughtful, you know, almost to a detriment. Uh, what we end up with, for us overthinkers, what we end up with is, uh, are lots of good thoughts, you know, like they, th- we think about true things, helpful words, inspiring words, necessary thoughts, you know, kind thoughts. We, we have all these thoughts, but these thoughts never quite end up becoming words that we speak. Folks, can I encourage you? Speak your words. <laughs> speak your words. And it's like, you know, again, again, in some ways this is like, well, duh, well, then do it. I mean, you know, I can't tell you how many times. Okay, so, so you know, James's point in this passage, I, I, let, me, let me just bring it back to James for just a quick second, and then I, I want to uh, just give you a quick example here. James, The point that James is trying to make in this passage is not to say, okay, the tongue is evil, so don't use it. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying, like, words are bad, so refrain from using it. He, he's, saying, he's saying, be wise and judicious with how you use your words. But nonetheless, use your words. How many of you know it's not enough to just think nice thoughts? Those don't change the world. Those nice thoughts need to be vocalized and articulated. Let me give you an example of this. Now, I get this all the time from my wife. Okay, I'm going to give you a little bit of insight into a marital dynamic that we have in our home. Okay, So, so my wife will get ready for the day. Right? And she's, you know, she's all done up, and then she'll, she'll be ready to leave the house. But before she leaves the house, she occasionally gives me the look. I'm like, so I'm thinking, you know, okay, she's, she's leaving, and oh, so she wants a kiss. So I lean over, and I give her a kiss. And still, she's like, I'm like, babe. I'm not a mind reader, babe. You gotta, you gotta use your words here. Like, you know, you go, and, and and in that moment, you know, she'll say, "How do I look?" I'm like, "Babe, come on. You know this. We've been married for 15, 16 years." It's like. I think you look beautiful every day. Like, it says, you look wonderful every day. This is like, you could be in your sweats, you look beautiful. You look, you could have your hair done, up. you look beautiful. I think you look beautiful every day. Now, look, look, look. I don't know if it's because I'm a guy or if it's because I just have a lot of thoughts swirling in my head at all times. I'm just sort of all over the place. Or maybe, maybe, I'm still learning how to turn my thoughts into words, See, this is, this is like, this is almost too obvious to just like, to to be like, let's not spend time talking about this, but I think it's worth spending just a little bit of time talking on this. You see, it's not enough to just think kind, inspiring thoughts, and all of these things. We've got to find a way to turn those things into words. You see, we are a people. I don't know if you know this. Maybe you resonate with this deep down inside. We are a people who need to hear words of affirmation, even if that's not your love language, you're like, no, 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 that's not my love line. You know, my, my love language is quality time, okay? Studies have shown from childhood, adolescence, to the psychologists and, and, and all these doctors say words of affirmation is needed for the flourishing of a child. I will say words of affirmation are needed for the flourishing of humankind. Words that give life and hope and inspire are needed in our world today. And, and let me just, can I just say this? Let me, let me offer you this challenge, okay? For those of us who are like, okay, I think a lot of good thoughts, but, but Dan, I'm like you, okay? I just assume everyone knows my thoughts, okay? I, I don't, I, I'm not really good at vocalizing this. So let me challenge you today. Is there a compliment you can offer to someone? Is there a word of encouragement that you can share with someone? Is there something uplifting you can speak into the life of a friend today? And this doesn't have to be like earth shattering, but just something that would lift the soul of a friend. Is there a loving thought that you can turn into loving words today? Before the day's over. Is there a loving thought that you have that you can turn into loving words today? And let me just say this, for those of us who are not used to this, For those of us who are more like me, like we, I think of thoughts and I never think about making those thoughts into words. You know, like, you know, for for those of us who are in that place, this may feel a bit awkward at first to say uh, uh, something that is life-giving, an encouraging word, something that is inspiring and uplifting. But can I tell you? It's what causes people to come alive. It's what causes people's hearts to come alive. By the way, can, can we can we also get to a point where we mutu, where where we mutually share affirming words with the opposite sex without feeling like we're getting hit on? Okay, can we can we just can wait? Can I just put this out there? Okay, because I, I think I think some of us were like, okay, let, let me just just a public service announcement. Okay, not every compliment is a way to lure you into a relationship. Okay, a kind word is sometimes just a kind word. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, like no, he doesn't, he doesn't want to get with you. He just thinks you look nice today. That's it. Okay, this girl, she's not into you. She just wants to encourage you because you did something cool. You did something honorable. Cool, okay? This is not the, the start of something, be- a beautiful wrong. Maybe it is. I don't know. But you know what? You will discern that. You will know that when it gets to that point. Okay, but an encouraging word, let it just be an encouraging word. It's like, oh, man, you know, like, oh, this guy, he just said it. Can you believe he's coming on to No, sister, he is not coming on to you. He is not coming. He's just trying to be a good brother or a good sister, what have you, okay? A kind word is just sometimes a kind word. And if it ever moves beyond that, you'll know you've crossed that line and you can cross that bridge when you get there. But until then, until then, let's speak life over each other. Can we be people who just agree that, like, we're just going to speak life. We're going to speak words that breathe hope. In fact, this is actually my third and final point, And that is this. Breathe life with your words. Breathe life with your words. And I don't mean just with those of the opposite sex, but in any context. In any context, we as Jesus people are called to breathe life with our words. Friends, isn't it true that we live in a world today where we have effectively weaponized our words we have learned to use our words as, as not life-giving tools but rather as ammunition to shoot down anyone that we might not like, that we might not agree with, that we might not see eye to eye with, that, we, that they may have rubbed us the wrong way. We use our words as ammunition to shoot these people down. When I hear James' words, like in verse 6, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness, I'm like, yup. Have you been on social media lately? The tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. Or how James says in verse 8, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Now, again, friends, it's easy to read verses like this and feel hopeless and feel like, well, then I should never say a word. You know, if that's that's the conclusion, that my mouth is filthy and, and the words that come out of my mouth are just evil, well, then I should never speak at all. No, 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 that's not the point of James' passage here. James says, look, You can either use your tongue as an agent of blessing or cursing. You can go on blessing people, breathing life with your words, or you can curse people and speak death words over people. And by the way, blessing and cursing doesn't have to feel like this ultra like weighty thing. It's like, oh man, those sound like big words and big concepts. Like, no, no, no. We're not talking about like this weighty thing that now we embark on. We have opportunities to breathe life or death every single day of our lives. Every moment we are presented with an opportunity. Will you bless or curse? Will you breathe life or death in this moment with your words? This past week, a, a small group of us at ACF, we went around the library to just bless some folks on campus. There was, uh, we, here at ACF, we believe that we're called to be a blessing on this campus. We don't believe that we're just called to gather for one hour on Sunday, sing some songs, hear a message, and then go on living our lives. We believe that we, as Jesus' people, are called to be a blessing on this campus, people that add value to people's lives, and we add value to this campus. And one small, very small, okay, now we're not, we're not saying like, man, this, we, we, we experienced revival through, no, no, one small, very small way that we decided to do that just this past week was by handing out some Halloween treats to some of our friends who were studying in the library one day, one afternoon. Uh, these, these treats were simple. I mean, they were just small little Halloween bags with a few pieces of candy in it and an encouraging word, just a little like slip in there that had an encouraging word of affirmation. Just handing those out. We made, we made a, a whole several hundreds of, of these little bags and, and a small group of us went out and, and we started giving out these treats on campus. And as we were giving these little treats out, we would just go around and we bless them saying, hey, I hope you have an awesome day today. So I hope you have a great day today. There, there were some students, I met a few students who were studying in the library, and they were deep in their studying. they were studying for an exam. And I, I just said, hey, bro, I hope you crush this exam. Here's a little treat to, to get you through it. You know, like it's not, it's not much, but I just want you to know, be, be blessed today. Be blessed today. Those interactions, by the way, took all of like literally two to three seconds you know, so, so like when we're talking about blessing and cursing, being a blessing and a curse on campus, we're not talking about like, we got to start this thing. We got to start a program. We got to start a ministry. We got to, no, 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 no. You are presented every day with opportunities to be a blessing or a curse. And, and, and I got to tell you, man, it is, this seems so insignificant. And in some ways it is insignificant. But you would have you thought, man, we were, we were giving out cars. Like, you know, people were like, they were like, oh, for for me? Really? Like, it's a bag of candy, guy. Like, it's not going to change your world. Like, it's like, but like, you know, they were like, <gasps> and like, some some students were on the verge of tears. Like, I'm not, I'm not, look, I'm not trying to make fun or like poke fun, but I'm just saying, like, I got, I got done with that, and I'm thinking to myself, man, what kind of jacked up world are we living in that a bag of candy would change someone's entire day? Like, you know what I mean? Like, like, th- thank you so much. In fact, I was walking out of the library. I was I got rid of all my bags. I was walking out of the library, and uh, some guy literally starts chasing me down. He's like, yo, bro, you got any more chocolate? I'm like, no, dude, I'm sorry. And he walks away. He's like cursing under his breath. He's like, you know, I'm like, hey, bro, I got you next time, man. Hey, listen, have a great day. He's like, ah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Like small little moments, like nothing huge, but small little moments to tell people, hey, I want the blessing of God. I don't care if you believe in God or not. I want the blessing of God to rest on your life. Why would we gather together every Sunday and pray that for us and not for other people? We do that every Sunday. We do that this morning. May the authority of Christ, may the power of the Spirit, may God's blessing, His favor, His presence rest on us here. What's the point of that? If the other six days of the week, we're not out there pouring out God's blessing elsewhere, blessing people, adding value to people's lives. Again, it doesn't have to be a massive thing, but we are all called. If you call yourself a Jesus follower, you call yourself a Jesus person, you need to know that you got the call of God on your life to breathe life with your words. Breathe life with your words. One little blessing one little bag of treats, one word of affirmation can be like a breath of fresh air that fills our lungs. It, it restores you. The words of life can renew you. Our words have the potential, friends, hear me. Church, hear me. Our words have the potential to bring the healing touch of heaven to an earth that is broken and fractured. Your words, they matter. Your words matter. And if your words matter, folks, we must learn to be thoughtful with our words. We gotta learn to think, truly think, and not overthink in sort of a self-centered, it's about me kind of way, but think how my words will impact people. Be thoughtful with your words. You must learn to be vocal with your words. It's great that you have good thoughts, but how can you turn those good thoughts into life giving words and for the love of Jesus and the love of his people would you breathe life with your words breathe life with your words and if you don't know what words to speak ask the Lord and I don't mean that sort of like as a I don't have an answer, you know. Sometimes pastors do that. I don't know, ask the Lord. You know, like, no, that's not, that's not what I'm saying. The Bible says that when you don't know what to say, the Holy Spirit will give you things to say. I just give the Holy Spirit a lot of credit. I just believe that when we don't know what to say, when we don't have the words to speak, when we don't have the words to breathe life with, I believe that the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us those words. And so ask the Lord, ask the Lord. And it could just very well be a simple thing as hope you have an awesome day. Can I pray for you? Lord Jesus,